0: Psalms chapter number 78, and we'll start reading about verse number 12 there tonight. Psalm 78, verse number 12, if you would, when you found your place, if you would, stand in reverence to the reading of the word of God there tonight. Psalms chapter number 78, verse number 12. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a the cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness, and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock, and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God and said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock. That the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? i brace stopped reading off there, and we're looking and mainly going to focus and think about that phrase there tonight in verse number 19 the question that was posed Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Let's pray once more. I'm most kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, to the Lord, to thank you once again for the opportunity and the privilege. Father, we have you back in your house here tonight. Father, we thank you for everything that you have done for us, all the many blessings. Lord, the good health, safety, and traveling. Lord, we thank you most of all for salvation, that you sent your Son to this earth. Shed his blood for our sins that we might have everlasting life. Father, I pray that you forgive us now for the times we have failed you. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Take the reading of your word here tonight. Bless it and use it as you see fit. Lord, just take the reins of the service. Let all things be done to glorify you. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have done, what you were doing, what you promised, you shall do. We love you, Lord Jesus. For Jesus' name we do ask and pray. Amen. You may be seated there tonight. Psalm 78 is an interesting chapter in how it is laid out and how it starts out. If you go and you look in verse number 1, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law, and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. They began to go through the verses here, begins to go through the chapter, and begins to outline some of the history in an abbreviated form, but hitting many of the highlights of the children of Israel, from the time when they left out of the land of Egypt, through some of the things that they had encountered, and how that they had been treated graciously, and been treated greatly by God, and God took care of them. Yet they still had the spirit of rebellion, how they rebelled against God, forgot His commandments, and began to go their own way and wanted to seek out and follow their own heart instead of looking for God's ways. <clears throat> Some years ago, back in the early part of the 1900s, around 1905, there was a man by the name of George Santayana, who's known for the phrase, or, the, or for the quote there, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Oftentimes we hear that said on the world stage, and they begin to talk about the history of humankind and how that, that throughout history there's always going to be some time of conflict that's arisen between one nation or another, or there has been one atrocity committed by one or by another, and how it seems that history seems to flow in a cycle, how that they don't know what had happened before, and yet they seem to repeat it once again. Not many years thereafter, and after 1905, of course, they had the First World War, they called it to be the war to end all wars. They called it the Great War. They thought it was going to be the last greatest conflict there ever going to be that there ever was going to be. Yet all it did at its end was begin to sow some seeds that eventually brought around another great war. Started in 1939 as World War II, which raged for several years and saw the death of millions. Saw atrocities committed. Saw the Holocaust in which many of God's people, the Jews, were murdered and had taken off to concentration camps. History is full of dark times, but also we think about the history that God has given us here in His Word. I believe that if we take into heart and take the things that God has showed us in His Word and what has happened to His people in the past, what has happened to, again, remember, being the children of Israel, His own chosen people, the ones that He had called out going back to Abraham when He called them out of the Ur of the Chaldees, Made his promise that he was going to make of him a great nation, that his seed was going to be greater than the sand of the sea, that it was going to be greater than the stars that was in heaven, his own people. And yet, how that they had a tumultuous time throughout their life, throughout their promise and throughout their time with the Lord. Verse here tonight. I've just got just a few points we'd like to look through here. <clears throat> and verse number one through three, as we read, there I like to think about the words of gloom. And verse number two said, "I will open my mouth in apparel." I will utter dark sayings of old. A dark saying, that is, it's something that is meant to be considered carefully. Something that has to be looked deeply into. Yes, it can be said that there are some dark words that's here. But it's something to remember and just telling the readers here, telling those that are going to hear this from thereafter, that they need to consider what is about to be said within this psalm. A dark saying, in verse number 3 we see, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. This is something that had been passed down to them, and it had been carried down from generation to generation. The elders there of the children of Israel, they had a responsibility where they were supposed to teach their children about the things of God. They are supposed to train them and teach them in the way that they were supposed to go. The other night, when we had the testimonies here, it was amazing to hear how so many people mentioned that they had remembered hearing a scripture or a verse because of a teacher that was there. I had the privilege of being able to go to a Christian school and I had the privilege of some of my teachers who were also pastors as well. They had a Christian curriculum. Everything that was taught, whether it be math or science or history, was all taught from a Christian and a biblical perspective. But not everybody has that. Not everybody has that ability. As a matter of fact, we can look at things that's been happening in the news headlines or what you may read here and there if you know where to find some of your information. They're in fact trying to change history. Trying to make things that are different. Trying to make it skewed and trying to make it go a certain direction to fit a certain agenda not to get political or anything there tonight but there are those out there that are trying to change the very history that's there they don't want to tell you that this nation was founded upon biblical principle they don't want to tell you that the founding fathers many of them would have to stop and they would call to have a time of prayer why because they knew that they needed to seek some guidance from on high we, they had believed that we were creatures that were created by God, that we were endowed by the Creator, that we had certain unalienable rights, but yet they want to teach you that's something different there. We have a responsibility, despite what the world says, to train up the generation that's coming up behind us to let them know the history that's going to be there. Just as they had a responsibility to teach the generation that was coming up behind them about the covenant, about the precepts, about what God had done for them, how he had delivered them from the land of Egypt, about how he had brought them across the Red Sea, how he had provided manna for them in the wilderness, how they had brought, he had brought them across the Jordan River and allowed them to take possession of the promised land. They had a responsibility to teach the children what God had done for them. We see here that it was a dark side. It was not always the great things, but also those hard and those dark things they had to teach there as well. It's not easy to talk about the difficult things in history, the difficult things that's in the past. But if we're going to learn from mistakes, we have to acknowledge the mistakes that were done and learn from those that were there. The children of Israel, throughout that time, you can go through the book of Exodus. You can look through their time with Moses. Go through the time that you would see in the book of Judges. And it was a back and forth. There would be a time that they would be on a spiritual high and that they would serve God. And God would bless them. But then after a time, those leaders, that generation, began to fade away. And then we see the children of Israel would start chasing after the false gods. Would start going against His covenant. And they would fall into a dark time which God would give them up to judgment. It was a back and forth through their history. Psalmist here is saying that they need to take and consider that history, take and consider what had happened before, and that they need to learn from it. Not only do we see that they were words of gloom, words of darkness and things that needed to adhere to, but also notice that they were words of gravity. Verse number 4, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should rise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. They knew that there was a gravity. That means there was some importance. That there was a strong need for them to pass on this saying. For them to pass on the word that God was given to them there. It was to be taught to the children that was there. God, as again, as we had touched on, God had commanded them to teach our children, generation to generation, about Him, about Himself, and what He had done for His people. But again, as we saw, He provided a warning with the instruction. He provided an historical example to those who, who might want to be rebellious toward God. Did any of y'all ever have a childhood where maybe you decided you're going to be just a little bit mischievous? If my mother's listening there tonight, she would tell you that I was a little bit mischievous when I was growing up. More than once do I remember when I was growing up and learning right from wrong. Do I remember being told, you better not do that. And of course, what's that human nature want to do? Your human nature says, they told me not to do that. You know what, I want to do that. I might not have thought about doing it before, but that because they said it, I wanted to do that. Why is it when you walk by the sidewalk and you see a sign that says, keep off the grass, what do you want to do? You just want to walk over there and you just want to touch it and just look around and be like, I got away with that. What's the big deal with that sign that's there? Sometimes we do that exact same thing when it comes to our spiritual lives. God gives us something that's there and says we better not do that and we think, oh, I can handle it. Oh, it's going to be okay. I won't fall into the same trap. I won't fall into the same place that someone else fell into. But we're still just flesh. And we're still subject to those same weaknesses that every person from Adam has been subject to and still continues to be subject to to this day. Robed in sinful flesh. Never going to be free from it until God calls us home and get a glorified body. But these same men that we see being spoken about here tonight in the book, the children of Israel. And you can go throughout the Bible. We could stay here all night talking about the different people and the different characters that we see in the Bible that fell into a pattern, that fell into a, a pattern of sin, never got forgiveness, never repented, how God had judged them there. Those things are not just there for our entertainment. Those things are not just there for us to read over, but God has chosen to put those things there so that we can learn an important lesson that was there. How many of you also, when you're growing up, Also you had your parents say now let me tell you about what happened to me and I don't do what I did. How many of you went out there and still did some of those things anyway? Why? Because they had already been there. They had already done that. They may have already suffered some of the same heartache and some of the same problems that was there. And they were also providing the instruction to you to not fall into the same place that they did. Likewise God has given us the example there. He has given us the guidance that we need to avoid some of those same pitfalls. We need to listen up. need to pay attention to the words that's there. We saw the, the dark words, the words of gloom. We saw the words of gravity. But also notice, and this gets us a little bit deeper into our text now that we've got the background. Notice the words of gall. That is the nerve, the brashness, the rebellion that was seeping out there. Verse number 9. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law, and forgot His works, and His wonders that He had showed them. Marvelous things did He in the sight of the fathers in the land of Egypt, in the foot of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and He made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also He led them with a the cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. Boy, it's amazing to think about what all the things that God had done. I remember watching a video, it's been some years ago, and it may still be available out there, I'm not sure if it was, where they had some archaeologists that more or less were sneaking into different areas of the Middle East and around where they believed the path that children of Israel were supposed to go, and they began to find some of the archaeological evidence of the exodus, of the journey the children of Israel took through the wilderness and how they came to one place and there was a rock that was split. And around it was all the signs that there had been flowing water. And had been actually a large body of water that was there. It may not be nothing to go out in the yard from time to time. You know, after it rains, you might find a wet weather spring. See water coming out of a bank or bubbling up from the ground. You might see some water, you know, coming from a, a regular spring. So you may not think much about it. But to think about in an arid, rugged wilderness, hardly anything was, let alone water, And God didn't bring water out of the ground. He brought it out of the rock that was on top. How great of a thing He wrought that was there. How great of a thing that He led them in day by a cloud. And all the night He led them by a pillar of fire. Remember, this children of Israel had something you and I didn't. They had the actual presence of God it's going to rest there in the tabernacle. They had the pillar of fire. They had the pillar of cloud. They had God's will leading them in the very path that they had to go. They saw all the things that God had given to them. They saw the water come out of the rock. They saw the water they provided to them in a dry place. But yet look in verse number 17. It says, And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. It's easy sometimes that we look back and we think, Boy, what's wrong with those children of Israel? They saw all those things yet they continued to reject God. But what do we oftentimes do ourselves? we see the things that God has done in our lives. The miracles that He's wrought. Salvation itself is, I believe, the greatest miracle that's happened to me. How he could take someone like me and he could save me. And so that I could have everlasting life when not have to worry about a devil's hell. But I can think of time in my life of when I know that God has actually protected me. Times that he has shielded me from having an accident. And I'm sure you can think of something in your life in which you know that God gave you a special hand. But yet what do we oftentimes do? we oftentimes still fall back and we turn right back around. Why? Because we still got that rebellious flesh and that rebellious spirit. Verse 18, And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? You think about that. If you read it outside of its context, it sounds like a pretty good question. It sounds like it's something that you get a big blessing from. If you think about, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I know God is absolutely capable of doing so. But if you look in the context, they, verse number 18, they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Despite everything that they had seen, they still wanted to go out and tempt God and mockingly ask, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? puts a little bit different of gravity upon the situation when you think about them asking in such a way. Not only did they forget what God had done for them, they did not keep God's covenant. Notice that where we were in, uh, back in verse number 10. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Not only did they not cover what was there and refused to walk, but we, actually let's turn back a little bit. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I feel like we need to turn there. The book of Exodus chapter number 16. This is where this verse is leading into here. I want to read it in the Old Testament first, and then we'll read it back, or excuse me, in Exodus, and then we'll go back to Psalms there. Exodus chapter number 16. This is, of course, during the time when they've left out of the wilderness. This is a time in which God has already been providing for them. They've had manna. They've had angels' food. They've had God's feast from the heavens rain down upon them. But in chapter 16 of Exodus, verse 1, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, And when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven to you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Here they were outside of Egypt, and there they were. I guess remember something about Egypt. Egypt is a picture and a type of the world. Egypt was a wicked place. History may have you want to believe certain things and different things that may be there, but they, it was very much a wicked place. They served a pantheon of gods. We know that from the time that Moses came there and God had to send the plagues upon Egypt, that Pharaoh had hardened his heart, that, that Pharaoh did not remember the God of Joseph that was there. It was a wicked place. It's a type of the world, and God had brought his people out of the world. Yet what are they remembering here? Then the Lord said, or then verse number three, the children of Israel said to them, Would God... We had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. They were saying, you know what? We ate pretty good when we was back in the land of Egypt. Back when it was in the world, we seemed to be, everything seemed to be taken care of. We ate flesh to the full. We didn't want for any food or anything that was there, let alone the fact that they were under bondage. They were even tasked to make bricks without straw. They were under hard bondage. Yet what do they want? They're still wanting the feast that they had there. Not remembering that evil taskmaster that was sin, and just remembering their good times that they had that was there. We know the Bible teaches there's pleasure in sin for a season, just for a season that was there. Looking back at Psalms chapter 78, verse from 20, 21, it said, Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth, so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. We're getting ready to see some of the judgment of God that was coming down there. It was about to take place. Why? Because of the rebellion. Why? Because they were lusting after the things they had had before in the world instead of one of the things that were there. You would see even here in this same chapter, the man that God had sent them there is the called the angel's food, the bread that came from heaven. They desired what was there in Egypt more than what God was given to them that was there. Oftentimes we do the same thing. You may say, well, I... Uh, I'm not just like those children of Israel. I'm not like them It's going to be there. I, I've got the book. I know everything should be right there. And rightfully so, we shouldn't be that way. God's given us this book. Remember, they didn't even have this. They didn't have the word of God. They didn't have a full copy like we do. But they did see the miracles that was going to be there. Yet they still wanted the things that they had before when they were in the world. A couple of things can be said about that. book of Proverbs chapter number 26 and verse number 11 says this. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool so a fool returneth to his folly. Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 22, references back to the same scripture. And it says, But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. If we're not careful, we don't mind our steps, we don't mind the path that we're on, we're apt to go back to the same place that we was before. If we don't guard our hearts. Have to be careful what we put in here. That's eventually what's also going to come out of us as well. Have to be careful what we see there. I always thought that was an interesting verse. If any of y'all ever been around hogs. Ever been around any type of pigs that was there. My dad raised somebody quit before I, before I came along. But I remember when I was younger. Dad took us up to Missouri. To see uh, what would have been my uncle there. His oldest brother. And we got to see some of my cousins and such that was there. I was probably only about. Six, maybe seven at the time. Some of them had a hog farm. Let me tell you, you smelled that hog farm long before you saw it. And when you got there, they're not necessarily a clean animal either. You can take that hog and take that pig and you can wash it off and make it nice and pretty and everything. You know what it's going to do? It's going to go right back to the same pig pen it was in. Right back in the same mud hole. The Bible also says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We're apt if we're not careful, to go back to the same way, to go back that was there. So before we jump too quickly and think about the children of Israel and we want to pass judgment upon them and wonder why they did those things, also does us some good to inflect upon ourselves and remember that you and I are bound by the same flesh that's there. We see their words of God, the the nerve, the brashness, the rebellion they had to to tempt God and and ask Him if He could furnish that table in the wilderness. And what did God do? As we see next, we see the Word Of guiltless judgment. Verse number 21 Therefore, the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven, and had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they it eat, and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. Notice it says, their own desire, and not his desire. They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them, and slew the fattest of them, and smote down the chosen men of Israel." For all this they sin still and believe not for his wondrous works. Wherefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. Children of Israel, can God furnish table with wilderness? They're saying more or less, can God not provide us the same thing that we had when we were in the world? Can God not set up the table and provide us what we want that was there? You have to be careful sometimes what you ask God for. He may just give it to you. In this case. He did. We know that in the New Testament there in the book of Romans, it's even Bible says that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Talk about those in the world that didn't want to keep God in His knowledge, those that wanted to rebel against Him, those that nothing, wanted nothing to do with Him, and God gave them what they desired. He gave them a reprobate mind that was there. Here they desired to have the things that they had before in the world. You can find this in the book of Numbers, chapter number 11. The book of Numbers, chapter number 11, you find the account of what took place that was here. Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 31. says, And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. That's a whole lot of quails right there. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day and they gathered the quails, he that gathered least, gathered ten omers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people that lusted. God gave them just what they wanted. They wanted the meat. They wanted to have something like they would have had if they had still been in the land of Egypt. God gave them what they desired. But God also passed judgment along with that there as well. God gave them over to what they wanted, their desires, their lusts of the flesh. We think about the three main temptations you see out there. The lust of eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You look for the things that look for good, the things that feel good, and the things that are going to make you try to look good despite what the situation you may be in. God gave them over to that. And God also judged them for their rebellion against God. Guiltless judgment. Why is that? Because we serve a holy God. A God that is holy. And yes, He is a God of love, but is also a God that is not going to tolerate sin. One thing that gets lost sometimes nowadays, and if it be in mainstream Christianity, and they want to preach God is love and say that He is love, and yes, He is, and I am so thankful that He is. I'm thankful that God first loved us. I'm thankful that he loved the world so much he sent his son to this earth and died that whosoever, everyone could. But the flip side of that, also have to understand the reason he had to send his son was to take care of the sin debt that was there. You and I owed a debt that we could not pay ourselves and it required that perfect sacrifice. Children of Israel were carrying that along and instead of trusting the covenant, instead of trusting their promise, they rebelled against God and God gave them a guiltless judgment that was there. You know, but I'm glad that going to these next verses we see the words of grace. Verse number 34 of Psalm 78. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Despite the things that did happen there, to the children of Israel. As they had this cycle of back and forth. Of serving and of worshipping God. In times of rebellion that was there. God also still had compassion. And still had mercy. It was even in fact on one occasion. God wanted to go out. And he wanted to slay all the children of Israel. And told Moses I'll make of thee a great nation. What did Moses do? He interceded upon their behalf. And pled for God. And God repented of the evil that he was going to do. The judgment was going to pass. But they still had some judgment that was going to be paid. We know that for their unbelief, they were delayed from entering the promised land for 40 years. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And those that generation before that had a doubted God, that had limited the Holy One of Israel, was going to pass away. God is a God of forgiveness. God is also a God of second chances. Boy, aren't you glad of that there tonight? Thankful for the chances He's given to us. Judgment came in their life. They remember that God was their rock. In salvation. Likewise, you and I, when we mess up, if we're a child of God, He's going to allow something to happen to us as a way of chastisement. Why? Because He loves us. When I was growing up, I never liked the idea of getting a whooping. Not a spanking, a whooping. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what the difference is. You do something that was wrong, and I remember growing up thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. And sometimes I would find the switch, I'd crumple it up, and I'd throw it behind the couch. Guess what happened when they found the pile of switches crumpled up behind the couch? I was a mischievous little one. But I look back upon that, and I'm thankful now for every single one that I did get. Why? Because they taught me that there was a difference between right and wrong. They taught me that I needed to respect authority. They taught me that that I needed to understand what no actually meant. It wasn't a maybe, it was going to be a no that was there. Likewise, the Father, when we mess up, He's going to chastise you there as well. I remember very vividly the first window I broke. Any of y'all remember that? I'd been outside throwing a ball up against the house. I was catching it back and forth. had playing a little bit of baseball, and it was a rubber, rubber ball. It was about the size of a baseball. That way it had to bounce, and I was catching it back and catching it. And I thought I'd rear back and give one of those outfield throws, and it went awry, and it went right through the living room window. Right when that happened, I knew, oh, man, I'm in trouble. What was my first reaction? I went and I hid, fearing the judgment that was going to come. Fearing that spanking I may very well going to get. And I heard my dad hollering for me. And, you know, before I'd heard mom in the house say, what was that? I mean, I was sitting here. I was a little scared, a little worried. But then I remember dad came looking for me. And he called my name. And I knew I was like, well, I can't hide here forever. i got to go home some point. I want to eat. I want to go to bed tonight. So I came out and said, here I am. And he said, why would you hide from me? And I told him, I said, well, dad, I was... Afraid there's going to be a trouble, afraid of, us, afraid of what might happen there. And he said, Son, you don't ever have to hide from me. I still love you, that's there. He still told me what was going on there. And it's the same way with the Father. We might mess up, but we can still come back to the Father because He still loves us. We can go bold before the throne of grace. The Bible says we can cry, Abba, Father, Dad, I know I messed up. But you know, what? furthermore, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 He still loves us. He's never going to turn us away. The children of Israel came back and, and He accepted them there. Despite their rebellion, despite the lies, despite the sin, despite the gall, the nerve, the brashness they had, despite that prideful spirit that they had, God still had mercy towards them. God still was able to forgive them that was there. Not once, But many times that was over. This may be a dark story. We've only looked at half the chapter. There's more that we could look at as we look through here. Maybe a dark story, a gloomy word, a picture of how the children of Israel at times had rebelled against God. But it's also a story about grace and mercy and some long suffering. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? He most certainly can children of Israel, they were looking for it, not in a way that God provided. They had angels' food. They had perfect food. I, haven't you ever wondered what that stuff would have tasted like? The Bible says it talks about having a taste of honey. and would have been some sweet bread that was there. I've heard people say they thought it might have been a roll from the steakhouse or something similar on those lines, but I don't believe there's anything on this earth that would compare to what the angels' food, the, the manna that God had given them that was there. You know, oftentimes... We oftentimes look back and we think, you know, back when I wasn't serving God, back when I was in the world, I may have had this, I may have had that, I may have been having a good time, I may have had all these things, and I may not have it now. But we're looking to the wrong place to measure what we have when we should be looking above to weigh at what we should be measuring, what He's given us and what He has provided to us as well. You've heard it said, you know, count your many blessings, name them one by one. I was out to bed and said, Count your many blessings, name them ton by ton. We're blessed for God's people. God can furnish a table in the wilderness. Harold Sightler, a preacher, you may have heard this message. He is known for one of his messages that's God can. Can God? God can. That was the heart of his message. God is able to do abundantly above that which we have ever thought, that which we have ever imagined. Oftentimes we're thinking that things need to happen a certain way. But God's got it handed all in His way. What can we take away from this? God can. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? We may ask it in a different tone than the children of Israel did. Not in rebellion. Not in the spirit of pridefulness. We may be in a situation that we're looking for God to take care of. God can provide and furnish a table in the wilderness... He provided the manna. He provided the water that they needed. He provided deliverance from their enemies. He took care of them, those that were left behind, even after wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Their clothes and their raiment never wore out. God took care of them, and he brought them into the land of Israel, in the land of Canaan. Furthermore, God began to deliver unto them all the cities that were there, and their enemies began to fall before them. Why? Because God was with them, and they chose to put their faith in God and keep God first. Rather than look into our immediate situation. Rather than look into things that's around and think, you know, my things sure could be different. Things sure can be there. Let us learn from what is recorded here. Let us learn from the lesson the children of Israel. Not to want the things that we may have had in the world, in the land of Egypt, and the things that have been there, but to trust in the things that God has given to us into the blessings that He has given to us and the guidance He's given us in that situation. It may not be quite well, what we're you looking for. And we may think, well, God, why aren't you giving this to us? God, why aren't you handling it just this way that I want to be? I want to be when we should be saying the way He wants it to be. Let God take your situation, whatever you're in, whatever wilderness you're in, whatever barren place you're in, whatever desert that is there that you seem to be lacking, and let God lead you through it in the way that He wants to. Let's remember that God is ever merciful. God's going to take care of all of our needs. Not our wants, but He will take care of our needs. Verse 41 had a very interesting phrase at the end. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I've been guilty of doing that before. Putting a limit on what God can do. But the Bible says if we had faith as a child, we could say, thou, you know, to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou plucked up, and be thou cast into the sea, and it would be done. But oftentimes we just don't have the faith, even as of a child. We like the faith. Why? Because we believe that we've seen the things in our life, and we see what takes place, and we think that things are going to happen a certain way, and sometimes we put a limit on what God can do in our minds and in our lack of faith. Let's pray to the Lord. That he would help us to grow our faith. That he would be merciful unto us for putting a limit on him. That he be merciful unto us for wanting to see things done in our way like the children of Israel did. Let us learn from his words. Let us also pass it on. There's a generation that's coming up. There's a lot of kids over there at One Way There Tonight. I sometimes wonder what kind of world my little girl is going to grow up in. They never know what they might face. But I know one thing. God can. God can furnish a table in the wilderness. He can set it up for them just as much as He can for I or He can for you. But we need to have the faith that's there. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? God can. Before we get ready to dismiss out there tonight, does anybody have a word upon their heart? Testimony, song, or anything at all? Amen. 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 Anyone else? Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we thank you once again, Lord, for the freedom, the privilege, the ability we have, Lord, to come to you back in your house here tonight. Father, we're thankful that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Lord, through the blood of your Son, Lord, that we can cry, Abba, Father. Lord, we can approach to you, dear Lord. We can bring our petition. We can bring our petition to make it known. And, Lord, we can find grace to help in time of need. Father, forgive us for limiting you, dear Lord. Father, forgive us for our unbelief. Father, forgive us for looking for the things that we wanted ourselves instead of seeing what you had provided and what you had done for us. Father, I pray you to be the man of prayer requests and the objects, dear Lord. Lord, I pray you to be the services that's happening to other churches across the land. Lord, I pray for revival. Lord, we pray for this nation, dear Lord, that be brought back around, that would come to know you. Father, we pray pray that your people would be revitalized. Lord, that people would continue to delve deep into your word, that they would continue to be in their knees and pray, dear Lord, and seek thy face in these days. Father, dear Lord, pray that you would help the generation that's come before. Lord, help them as they pick up the mantle, pick up the flag and carry it forward, dear Lord, we do pray. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have done, what you're doing and what you promise you shall do. We love you, Lord Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name we'd ask and pray.